Hey, Shelvies. Buckle up for a new episode of the Shelved Books Podcast, where every writer is a story that may never see the light of day. This is the podcast where authors share the stories that they shelved, the manuscripts that they may never publish. Then they explore the reason why they shelved this story. Welcome to the Shelved Books Podcast. Welcome, Shelvies, to another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. It's another week, another episode. Thank you for joining us. Um, Like I always say, please start your weekend with us. You can actually download your episode and save it for the weekend, which is great. You know, but this week we actually have a very special guest, an award-winning author, which, you know, um, I am just so floored that she said yes to going on to the podcast. And we are so honored that she is with us today. Her debut novel, Traveler, was a Keystone State Reading Association second book award finalist for 2018 and 2019, which is not an easy feat to do you know any award that your book gets not an easy feat to do and she you know doubled down on the awards with her novel blue which came out in 2021 and it just you know won bagged awards left and right it was named the 2021 spark award winner by the society of children's book writers and illustrators which is you know the scbwi is just that organization. And it was also the 2021-2022 gold medal winner for young adult in the Reader Views Reviewer's Choice Award. It's a mouthful, I know. (laughs) And it is the 2022 Independent Publishers Book Award Silver Medalist for YA and Teen eBook and many, many, many more awards. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and list these awards. I mean, if if you put all those awards in the cover, uh, it will it will basically cover the picture of the book. Yeah, if you can see the, the cover only has three stickers, but I have six. Oh, <laughs> Other than covering up the entire book cover, exactly. I really had no choice. Exactly. So yeah, first world author problems, right? I really had a room on my book cover. <laughs> exactly. So everybody welcome it's a to trouble podcast. that i'm very happy to have yeah. yes so please welcome to the podcast el idolado <laughs> welcome hi thanks thank you for having me it's an honor to have you and i mean if if dear listener dear viewer if you have not read blue please after this podcast go out and get it i you will not be disappointed it's such a great book and you know that's why we are so excited to have you here, Ellie, because um, it's it's just you are just one of those authors that uh, have made an impact with your writing, and it's just um, quite exciting to be hearing about you. So, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, well, I live in Pennsylvania. Um, I have been here quite a few years but before that i grew up in new mexico that's my home state and um i have two kids one is currently in college she looks like a victoria's secret model she's studying quantum physics (laughs) and she's going on to grad school um my son just recently graduated high school but he still remains within the school district because he is a special needs student my son is autistic 
and a terrific human being. And um, I've been writing for, well, my whole life, really, but published traditionally since 2017. But before that, I was indie published in another genre for like the last 11 years. So mm. I've also been a blogger. I blogged for Women's Day Magazine. I've blogged for Upworthy. I've blogged for Moms Magazine. And I have my own blogging platform where I discuss single parenting and parenting children with special needs. And, and I've pretty much written everything, every kind of writing you could write I think. <laughs> but um, my true loves are generally young adults, sci-fi, and romance are my big loves. Same, same. Yeah, you me too. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir right here. Yes. Those exactly. are our, our loves uh, as well. And, you know, it's, I think, as authors, it's like, we have... Yeah, sci-fi fantasy, young adults, with yeah. somebody really hot. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, I think as authors, we are like, um, we gravitate towards like the genres that we are like, that we also enjoy to read. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's like something that, because I, I think if you enjoy reading it, it's like the, the thrill of writing it is all, it like carries, carries over because you know the elements of it and how it works and everything. So it's kind of that. And that goes back to the old writer adage of write what you want to see on the shelf. Yeah, you know? exactly. exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, they also like say, right, like write what you know. And so it's, it's kind of that influences that like your life and your lifestyle as well. So we're going to move into like uh, your shelf book. So what, what, which shelf book story would you like to share with us today? Um, this is a story of my dark Rosaline, which is a fantasy YA book I was working on. Um, and the story behind this one is kind of detailed, but just getting into the final phase, maybe six months before publishing. Ooh. My editor reached out to me and said, okay, we need to talk about your next book. And, you know, it's always a thrill when your editor tells you there's going to be a next book. So that was great. <laughs> um, so I went up to New York to meet with her for the day. And Kate, you, I don't, Angie, I don't know what your background is in publishing. Kate, we walked this walk a million times <laughs> of the book you have in mind and the book your editor has yeah. in mind, maybe two very different things. <laughs> <Yeah>. And... <laughs> So I sat down with her in New York, and I had two manuscripts working on kind of side by side, and they were very different things. That was 40,000 words into each one of them, and I just kind of wanted some guidance as to where do you want me to put my head down and work. Mm -hmm. So I started out with the pitch on the first one, which was, this is a contemporary story. It's kind of multi-layered. It's about a girl whose brother was involved in a car accident that killed a classmate. And it's, you know, this is kind of what I'm working on. I know it's not normal for me. I don't normally write contemporary, but this thing like gravitated into my brain and took it over. And this is where I'm at. And she went, yeah, you're a fantasy writer. What else you got? So I said, okay, um, well, I have this sort of 
thriller that's got a sci-fi twist and it's science sci-fi not alien sci-fi but a girl who has night terrors and her parents were researchers who worked in nanotechnology and she was accidentally exposed to the nanites and now she's getting sucked into military training scenarios with this group of soldiers who are trapped within it and i've kind of been working on that one she's she went hmm there might be something there what else you got Oh no! So those were the two manuscripts I was working on, and I really had nothing else. I had nothing. So I said, "Well, I did take that trip to Ireland last year, and I really fell in love with Irish mythology in such a big way. And I would love to do something about like the half-human daughter of the Morrigan living in current present day, and she's got." something she's got to do that involves her going into the other world the realm of the irish gods and i'd love to see the irish gods living today so kind of like an american gods sort of thing but with a mix of percy jackson i'm a demigod kind of you know stuff and i said i just kind of thought i might play with that after these are done and she said no that's what i want that's the story i want and so we sat there and kind of spitballed and brainstormed a little bit and i had a like five sentence outline in my head by the time we finished that conversation and i went home to write that book not knowing at all where it was going to go or even what it was about or what this girl wanted but that's what i had to go on because that's the book my editor wanted so i sat down and put my head down and wrote this thing through and came out with a draft and you know pummeled it out took it through did some more you know turned it into her sometime like right before Christmas and she went oh this is way far off of what I'm looking for <laughs> and she said you know I love all the world building you did here I love that she's fierce but you know she's in the modern day I want to see her more on Instagram I want her worrying about her makeup I want her and she wanted more of a teenage girl and I was giving her her like fantasy protagonist and she wanted to see more teenage girl turning into feck into her again literally like just as as we were out in new year's i think i turned it in mid-january and this is 2018 i'm getting running in the run-up to dreamer coming out so i thought okay yeah, i'll turn this in so i got it into her and she went yeah still not what i'm looking for we're gonna need to revise this again so i did one more revision turned it into her this is end of february now and she comes back at me and goes still not where i need it to be so, you know, again, I'm looking at it and thinking, well, what else can I do? You know, I take her notes, I'm digging into this thing, and the more I'm writing it, the more I'm not liking the direction it's taking. I mean, at all. This is this girl is not some vapid girl who's worried about her makeup. She's not been raised that way. And the character of the Morrigan is the goddess of death and battle, and she's real, no nonsense. This was not a nurturing relationship. And this is a girl who's got some mommy issues and some disassociation from the rest of the world just by the nature of who she is. And she can talk to ghosts because her mother is the goddess of death and she has all these great relationships with ghosts. 
And I had this terrific love interest who happened to be an 800-year-old bard. And he was fell into a bog. And you know, now she's got his ghost. And there's a, you know. And when they travel to the other world, he becomes corporeal. Oh. And there's, you know, I really loved what was going on there. But all the stuff that was happening in the real world just wasn't clicking. Yeah. Because she wanted me to take it to a much more shallow She's an influencer kind of level, and that wasn't where I saw this girl. So as I was tearing my hair out over this, um, early March of 2018, I had to go to a family wedding. So I took off to this wedding and had a great time with my family. The morning I was supposed to come home, I woke up at 5.30 in the morning in the middle of a hemorrhagic stroke. So I had a brain bleed that was catastrophic. And my poor daughter had just gotten her driver's license two weeks before. Oh, I had to toss her my car keys and say, get your brother home. Oh, and kiss my kids and went to the hospital. And very luckily, I had my stroke in front of my sister-in-law, who was a critical care nurse. Oh, oh. So she works in the ER. She knew exactly what was happening. <clears throat> and by also luck... I was in Kansas, and she worked for the University of Kansas Medical Center, which has a stroke center on site. Mm -hmm. So I ended up going to a hospital that has an actual stroke and rehab center. So it was the most fortunate, unfortunate event I could have had. I had a stroke in front of the right person. I was right by where I needed to be. And I spent 28 days in the hospital. Their father lives two states away. My daughter pretty much had to be me for a month mm -hmm. at 16. And that was not what I wanted. Um, so, of course, that was a major setback. You know, the next draft of that story did not go in for quite a while. I was out of work for five months. I battled back, um, got myself back on my feet, but it was rough. You know, there was brain fog. I used to be able to type 94 words a minute as fast as I could think it. It would come out through my, now I'm down to one hand typing. Mm. I'm fatigued. I'm battling. I have to have muscle relaxers because I have such muscle spasticity and stiffness on the left side of my body. So I'm just tired all the time. And we're trying to find the cocktail of meds that will keep me loose enough to be out of pain, but not fatigued. Yeah. So I battle through all this. I write another draft of the story. My editor finally says, yeah, this is it. Mm. You did it. Congratulations, man. I think this is it. I'm taking this to acquisitions tomorrow. This is great. And in the meantime, through all of that, I had made some author appearances. Dreamer came out, did very well. I paneled at San Diego Comic-Con, and my editor sat next to me and talked about how excited she was for my next property and asked me to describe it. So I'm pretty sure this is just going to be a cruise through, and I'm waiting on the contract. And later that day, my agent called me and said they didn't take the book. So my next question is, what happens now? Do I submit another book? Do I, what, what goes on? She said, well, we can pitch this other places. But she said, Denise, they felt that. Oh, I just said my real name. <laughs> she said, um, they felt that your sales were strong, but not as strong as they wanted. And she said, in between you and me, she said, nothing was said, but you did just go through a major catastrophic health crisis. And this was poised to be book one of a trilogy. Mm. And she was right. 
you know, if I were the publisher, I think I would have been leery of taking that too. So bottom line is the book went, went out on submission, um, did pretty well. We kept getting very good comments back, but the comment we kept getting most was there's so much saturation in YA with fairy and fae-based things right now. And even though I wasn't full on fae in this manuscript, there was a, an evil fairy and that was part of it. And and uh, we kept getting, this is great, but we've got nowhere for it right now. Really like this, love the world, building great characters, nowhere for it right now. It went all the way to the acquisitions desk at Harper Teen and the editor came back with, we got nowhere for it, but man, we want something else from this girl. Oh because we really like the way she writes. What else did she got with the night terrors and the nanites and all that? And I said, I've got this. And my agent started ghosting me. So my agent was not responding to my calls, was not getting back to me. I had turned that in and said, can you please you know, read this over? Can we submit this? And she got back to me in time to talk this one through and then we'll decide who we're gonna submit to. We set up time, she missed the date, like stuff like that was going on. And she just pretty much ghosted me for the next five to six months. Mm. And by that time, you know, this editor doesn't even remember my name. Mm. By the time I finally got it all straightened out to say, I finally had to boot it up the chain to her boss to say, hey, your agent is ghosting me, what's going on? And the next day on Twitter, she announces she's not agenting anymore. So, mm -hmm. so at that point, I've lost my agent. I've lost my publisher. I, you know, I'm still battling through my stroke. I'm just ready to call it a day. So I um, ended up, just kind of sitting back and taking like six months off and deciding what the heck am I going to do with my life? Because everything was just kind of completely. Mm. And um, I ended up just deciding, you know what, I'm going to go with the contemporary one because I just felt really strong about that. The thriller was good, but just not where I thought it needed to be yet. And Rosaline, the original Irish manuscript, was not a manuscript I loved to begin with. Mm. And I felt if I was going to take that and do something with it, I needed to rip it apart and just make it mine because this was my editor's book. And clearly it's not going to sell. So, yeah. so that's what I decided to do. So I shelved that one, um, started pitching blue everywhere I could, like querying it out to agents. And I kept getting the same thing from the agents that I was getting from my editor. They kept saying, aren't you a fantasy writer? Aren't you a fantasy yeah. writer? Yeah, I mean, they just love to pigeonhole you. And I felt so strongly about the manuscript. I'd had several beta readers and they all just loved the hell out of it. And I loved it. And I thought to myself, you know, if I keep trying to pitch this and an agent does pick it up and we query it and it's successful and it ends up getting traditionally published, the next thing an editor is going to say to me is, okay, what's your next contemporary book? Mm. And the answer to that would be crickets chirping in the darkness because I don't normally write contemporary yeah. books. So I started deciding to pitch it to indie presses mm. instead myself and leave the agent out of it and just try to see if I could go that round and Gaze Publishing picked it up and six awards later here I am with Blue under my belt um, so yeah. at this point in time 
I still look back at Rosaline and think to myself, there's something here. Mm. The world building was absolutely lush. The characters were amazing. I had this wonderfully diverse set of characters that I just loved, loved, loved um, with all kinds of terrific magical powers. Mm. And the intrigue that was going on behind the scenes was very Game of Thrones-esque sort of machinations that were going on in the plot. And the love interest with the 800-year-old ghost bard guy who's got a terrific <laughs> snarky Irish sense of humor was just killing me. Like he, I, I actually went through, I was lucky because I was on Reddit one day and I had subscribed to the Reddit Irish communities before I made my trip to Ireland because I wanted the inside tips on where the best, you know, food and stuff was. One day someone got on there and said, give me your favorite insult. Mm. And all these Irish people loaded on and started saying, you know, she's got a face that could drive rats from a barn. <laughs> She's got a face like a blind cobbler's thumb. Oh. He's got a face looks like a bulldog licking piss off a nettle. You know, he's got, and they went through and did all these great insults. So, you know, my, um, right there, my guy, my Irish guy uses a lot of these when he talks, like he uses a lot of these colloquialisms. And I picked up so many of these things as I was, you know, just sitting in on the Irish community, some of the ways they talked and some of the snark and the, the cutting sarcasm and the way they framed things was just so beautiful. And I got to use that for him. Mm. And I knew I wanted to keep that. So that's my shelved manuscript. It's about a girl who's the daughter of the goddess of death and battle, but not an Instagram influencer. No. And she's got a massive quest with a guy who's got the best insults for anybody. Oh, it's so that's my my story. Oh, <laughs> I know, aren't they great? Yeah, aren't they great? I want to read it so bad. You have no idea. <laughs> what a road. What a journey. This shell book took. I mean, uh, it's it's. I I I completely understand. Like I think a lesser person would have just quit, yeah. quit entirely. <laughs> and and you know, um. But the fact that you're still here and still writing after all of that is yeah. And my stroke was a hemorrhagic stroke, which is different than a normal stroke. Most mm. strokes are clot related. You have a blood clot, and if you get to the hospital in time. They can give you medicine to reverse a lot of the damage, if not all of it. Yeah. Um, my stroke is a brain bleed, and it was started by undiagnosed high blood pressure. So get your blood pressure checked, guys, because it can wear down the vessels in your brain and cause a brain bleed. Um, it's only got about a 29% survival rate. And for me to have, if I make it to the five-year mark, which is this next, make it the five years. So I'm actually very, very, very fortunate. Like I said, I had the most fortunate, unfortunate event you could have. Yes. Um, I'm also fortunate to hit my left side and I'm right-handed. So, you know, I could still type. Um, I had a, a workplace. My I work a full-time day job and my, my workplace was very accommodating. They bought me Dragon text-to-speech software. I've, you know, I can use that at home as well when I'm writing and I do, you know. Um, I'm lucky because I have a degree in theater. So the very first thing I started doing after, while I was sitting in rehab was running all my theater exercises for my speech. So I cleared up my speech very quickly um, and then the physical therapist did the rest. 
fast and I've got some good mobility. I mean, I, I get tired easier. I limp when I'm tired. Mm. My left hand is kind of awkward, but I can still squeeze and point and do mm. some things. So, yeah. So all in all, you know, I've had a pretty good recovery. And the fact that I have absolutely no social life really makes it a lot easier because writing <laughs> is my escape. Yeah. You know, I wrote my way out of this. I wrote my way through it. I, you know, yeah. writing is what, what got me through. Honestly, it truly did. Being able to sink into these other characters and forget about how absolutely miserable my life is right now was such a help. Such I a think, help. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's really important to remember because sometimes um, when life when life gets in the way, when you know wrenches mm -hmm. are thrown into your path, um, it's very easy to let go of the creative and just focus on the what is going on at the moment, which we just somewhat what happened to you, right? You yeah. took like a six month break, and that's totally understandable. But like, how did you, how did you get back at it um, after that break? How did you decide like, oh, I'm going to write again? It was hard. It was really hard, um, you know, and with, as a writer, and I know every writer in the world struggles with this, you know, sometimes you sit at the keyboard and think I've got nothing. And then the next thought is that's because you are nothing. That's oh, because yeah. you can't write. Look at you, you, you know, they didn't even take your book. You know, mm -hmm. your agent ghosted you. My God, you're terrible. You pack it in, baby. You, you're talentless. You're old. You're, you can't do this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a thousand other terrific writers out there that are getting more press than you. Mm -hmm. that are doing better books than you. You know, I sit down and read a Sarah J. Mass book and I never want to write again because good God, who can touch the woman? She's amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, every, she could write a grocery list and I would pay to read it. I read Neil Gaiman and I think, why am I even thinking I'm on the same planet with this man? My <laughs> God, you know? So yeah. there's so much self-doubt that goes with being a writer. There just is. And oh, my cat's over my shoulder. I didn't realize. <laughs> Hello. Um, so yeah, there's just so much self-doubt that goes with being a writer. And after you've been dealt a blow that literally scatters your brain meats, you know, <laughs> um, it was just tough. I just thought, well, you know what? I'm just today. I'm just going to write one chapter. I'll write one chapter. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't set myself any lofty word counts. I didn't say I'm going to write 3,500 words today and they're going to be perfect. No, I, you know. It is what it is. And I just started writing. And the curious thing about writing is once you make yourself start writing, it comes easier. Mm. Once I start getting into the role, it just keeps going. Yes. And there were days where I was literally just because I was so tired, I would just lay in bed at night with the headset on and just blah, 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 just spitball and let it go. Mm. And then I'd shut my computer off just as my eyes were closing. And in the morning, I get up and edit it kind of thing and for the record if you're dealing with writer's block that's a great great tool okay like putting on a headset and talking your book out mm. it has a whole different you may throw away you know 30 to 50 percent of it but you're going to get a bunch on paper that you're not even thinking about yeah. when you're staring at a screen and forcing yourself to write so 
that was a big tool as well. And again, I have an army of beta readers, God love them, who really give me terrific feedback and help me through all that. And that was utterly critical at that time because again, you know, I wasn't sure what I was writing was even coherent. Mm. You know, it looked good to me, but guys, I've had a brain injury. And even though everyone, all my friends are nice enough to say, Denise, I would never even know if I didn't, if you didn't tell me, you know, I know. Yeah. And they may just be, be, they might just be nice to me, I, you know. So the beta readers were really terrific that way. Yeah. Um, it really brought some of my confidence back. And, and also the fact that I had so many um, author activities scheduled because of the release of Dreamer that yeah. I was working through at that time. Like I said, I, I was invited to speak at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I may feel like I'm not there, but I was there before, and clearly I can get back there again. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I have the greatest San Diego Comic-Con story. <clears throat> so I was sitting at the, the author panel, and it was Swin Reads had a, a panel, and we were all there. And I had my book out, and the nice thing was when we all set our books <clears throat> up in front of us, the entire room when I set my book up went, oh, it's that book. Because my my cover is just gorgeous, you know, yeah. the cover of Traveler was just so recognizable and so gorgeous. So that was a big boost. Mm. So then we get through our little presentations and people were stopping me on the way out of the room. Where do we get your book? Where do we get your book? What booth are they selling it at? Which was even greater. Mm -hmm. And I needed to go to the restroom and someone told me there was a service hallway at this one door. And they're like, there's a restroom right down there. Nobody knows about. Sneak out that door and go. So I sneaked out that door. Jason Momoa, who was oh, sneaking up the hallway. He was sneaking up the hallway on the way to his Aquaman press junket. And they were using that back service hallway. So I literally stepped out of my author panel at San Diego Comic-Con and walked into Jason Momoa. And I remember I came, I you know, like apologized profusely and he just kind of like sent me back and gave me a, you know, hey, it's okay and kept walking. And I went into the bathroom and I shut the door behind me. I leaned on the door and thought, stick a fork in me. I am done. <laughs> like this is the pinnacle <laughs> of anything, you know. I just stepped out of my paddle and said, you come and kind of walked into Jason Momoa. I'm done. Nothing's better than this. Nothing. So. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, there I was four months past my stroke, doubting yeah. myself. And this was my day. So. That's just a beautiful day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I figured I could have many more of those days. I just needed to tell myself I could. So, mm -hmm. so Jason, I'm coming for you. <laughs> so my oh, so okay. I will do this again. <laughs> so a very important question is, how did he smell? Oh God! I was so startled. Like time slowed down. I, you know, there was a chest, and it was a great chest. Oh and, my God! That is so cool. And his hands touched my arms, and I didn't bathe for three weeks, and you know. Okay. <laughs> you know what yeah. I loved about their story is the part when they just when they saw your cover. <laughs> <laughs> just just the, the reaction yeah to have everyone go <gasps> like oh my gosh that is sweet validation right there i mean all the things yeah god bless mcmillan like publishing because the cover of my debut could not have been more beautiful and spot on and recognizable 
Oh, that is it, amazing. And, and it's a beautiful book too, you know, mm -hmm. it's Thank not you. only does it have like a beautiful cover, but it's also beautifully written. It's a beautiful story. And the thing is, I think as authors, like you said, we really do have a lot of that self-doubt mm -hmm. that we struggle with. And when you are when you are in that mental mode, how do you bring yourself out of it? Um, well, I have a mantra. <laughs> I really do. There are days when I sit down at my computer and like I said, you got days where you think I got nothing. Why am I even doing this? Um, and I take, um, I just remember Lin-Manuel Miranda had a, a quote. He was in an interview once. Somebody said, you know, how do you come up with all this stuff? You know, where do these ideas come from? You're so amazing. And he said, I always just tell him it won't be out there. And this story has to come out. It has to go out there. So it's my job to take this gift that's dropped into my brain and to put it out there. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that was a great quote. So I kind of riff off, off of Lynn and I take a line from Hamilton. And I remind myself that I was in the game. I was in the game deep. You know, I've got award-winning books. I had a television option on a book. I have um, been to San Diego Comic-Con and Keystone Comic-Con. I've been to author events. I've been, you know, I've had all the hoopla and yeah. all the great press and all the good things that come with being an author. I've had terrific heartfelt emails and letters and conversations with people who've read my books and were touched by my books. And I've had all that and I can have it again. Yeah. And yeah. I know I can because I it's in there. It's in there. Mm -hmm. um, the vehicle of conveyance might be a little rusty at times, but it's in there. Stay in the game. Mm. You won't get a win unless you're playing the game. Oh, you get love for it. You get hate for it. You get nothing if you wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. And I tell myself, what are you waiting for? Sit down and write this damn book. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's really easy to make excuses. I don't really have it right now. I need to brainstorm it a little more before I get into it. I need and I've procrastinated my way out of so many writing sessions. I'm sure we all have. Yeah. Now maybe I should write on that other book for a little while. That one's kind of burning my brain. Let's and then you have 17 unfinished manuscripts around you and nothing that's done. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Irons in the fire syndrome is a real thing and I do it badly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unless there's something that I've got that's a real aha, oh my God, what a great thing to add into that manuscript. I'll open up the file and I've got a file for each new book idea I've got and it just says stuff, you know, space book stuff, <laughs> you know, and I'll just throw it in there. Okay, they're going to have a planet where pigs fly. Bing. And then I'll pop out of the file and go back to what I'm working on. So, That's yeah, good. you got to discipline yourself to stick with one project, which is hard. Mm. But again, I just, you get nothing if you wait for it. Sit yeah. down and do it. <laughs> Sit down and so do it. Thank That's you. my model. <laughs> because he's my inspiration. Mm. And he's a great inspiration to, to you know, to, to call from, actually. Absolutely. And, and he's a great follow on Twitter, too. <laughs> I know. I know it. 
so in in that kind of like so in for your shelf book do you think that you would revisit it again or maybe like i have act i have actually set a goal for myself because i'm very lucky my day job closes down over the holiday season entirely so from like december 20th 21st ish something like that all the way through to after the new year yeah. so i always have a large block of time right there um so i have made a commitment to myself that i'm going to sit down and dig into that thing and rip its innards out you know i've already taken a like a, a long blank piece of paper and just made a list of what i loved and what I hated about this manuscript. Mm. So the trick is to pull out all the crap I hated that I thought never worked and didn't click with me. Yeah. And truthfully, why am I even writing this book if this part isn't working for me? Yeah. It, yeah. So I'm gonna rip all that crap out and then the trick is to fill in those blanks and rearrange and make this work again. So I'm just going to take it out of our modern world. I'm going to move it to its own world. I'm going to turn it into a full-on fantasy. Mm. And I'm going to still use a lot of these great things. She's still going to see the dead. I'm still going to have my great ghost guy with the great snarky things. Um, and a lot of the Irish gods, and it's just true of any mythology, they, uh, there's a lot of powers that just about every god has. You know, somebody's got wind, somebody's got the sun, somebody's got fire, somebody's got, you know. Yeah. A lot of it's elemental type magic. So I just need to take out the Irish names, get, reinvent these gods so I'm not carbon copying, you know, an Irish mythology, but give them some different quirks and some different nuances and different motivations. And a lot of what I had her working for in the first book would work and it was straight on fantasy somewhere. Ooh. So yeah. I just need to rip this thing apart and get it going. And I made a commitment oh, to do that by the end of the year. Uh. Well, oh, that's going to be so much fun doing all that world building. So oh. you can read all my snarky insults. <laughs> awesome. He's that's got great. a nose so big he could have a smoke in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so is this going to be like, are you, are, is it still going to be YA or are you going to transfer um, to Probably YA. I, it depends on how it evolves. Probably why. Okay. Ellie, thank you so much for sharing your shelf book story with us and like so many insights and so much inspiration. I honestly believe our listeners and our viewers will get a lot from, from what we've talked about today. But we're gonna segue into Angie and the speed round questions. Angie, thank you already. <laughs> okay, well, this is my first All time. right. And today I am Christy. This is Christy. <laughs> yes. Okay. And I'm going to try to bring Christy's energy. You are never alternate, Christy. You are you are Angie and you're never alternate, Christy. Oh, I never. love you so much. Thank you. <laughs> so can you hear me? I can okay. hear you. You guys okay. keep freezing. So if I ever sit here with a blank look on my face, I'm just waiting for you to unfreeze. Okay. Or I'm just blank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily confused, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. So which season is your favorite? Fall. Absolutely. Oh, mine too. 
It's a movie and in where Pennsylvania, the colors are spectacular. Oh spectacular. my gosh, I, I really, really want to go there. Um, if a movie were made of your life, what genre would it be? Rom-com, horror, mystery, drama, comedy, or thriller? <laughs> I would be one of those quirky independent films. <laughs> yes. Where, yeah, once the credits roll, people would look at each other and go, what the hell did we just... Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, do you prefer shopping online or in a physical store? I'm, God, I am such a hermit. Honestly, if I could live in a cave inside my house, under a blanket in the cave under me. Yeah, that would be me. Yeah. What is something you don't mind spending a little extra money on? Mm -hmm. uh, spending a little extra money on. This is goofy, but my cats, like, I'm going to buy them a really nice cat tree. I'm going to give them the latest toy. I'm going to, and it's a lot of people I'm used to cats, and it's like, no, they're with me all day long. <laughs> and they're, you know, I love them. Yeah. I pay a lot of money for stupid things for mats. I'm a cat oh. lady. It's sad. Say No, not sad at all. Say it's not sad at all. <laughs> and I'm a fish lady. I do the same for my fish, so... <laughs> Wait. Okay, there. The type of food you refuse to eat. I am absolutely not a spicy food eater, which mm. is really funny because I'm from New Mexico, the home of the best green chili in the world, you would think. <laughs> but truly, burning mouth, like hot, is not a flavor to me. It's a <laughs> sensation and it's an uncomfortable one. <laughs> Okay. So a little spice, okay, oh. but you go beyond the heat of a mild buffalo wing, and I don't want to be there. <laughs> so I do not do my state proud. I've got an Irish mouth. Don't give me that spicy stuff. All right. All right. Um, which author influenced you the most? Um, in my growing years, I had a much older brother who was seven and a half years older than me. I used to steal books off his bookshelf, and he was a sci-fi fanatic. Ooh. And so my early preteen and middle age and loved a lot of Ray Bradbury. Mm. The man could paint with words like no one else can. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted and aspired to be at the level of word painting that Ray Bradbury gets to. Yeah. And then from there, I moved on to people like Neil Gaiman. And, but I read the whole route of like the old school authors, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke. You know, I, I think I read Dune when I was 10. Yeah. And I just love, love, love. And, and of course, C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia and oh, you know, yeah. anything that oh. took me far away and into another realm, you know, Madeline Langle and the Wrinkle of Time, Wrinkle in Time and Swiftly Tilting Planet, Wind in the Door, all of those. Love yeah. those. Oh, my gosh. You're a woman after my own heart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Love those. Um, if you could use a time machine, 
Would you go to the past or the future? Ooh, what a question. You know, the past is always fascinating, but in the past, like medieval times looks really cool, but probably doesn't smell so good. Um, <laughs> then again, you go into the future, you got paradoxes to worry about. I'm a writer, this is how I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd like to go to the future. Oh, you tell. What's out there? Yeah. <laughs> and hopefully it's not a horrid dystopia. We'll see. <laughs> Um, what is the first thing you would do with a million dollars? Oh, Lord, take a trip. I would <laughs> be traveling the world. I would be traveling and doing and being and meeting and everybody's got stories and there are stories all over the world. And that's where I would be. I always said if I hadn't become, oh. you know, if I didn't land in the day job I'm in, if I hadn't gotten a theater degree, I probably would have become a cultural anthropologist because I just really <laughs> seriously. No, I'm a sociology major. So yeah, I'm not so interested so much in digging up the bones, but I yeah. want to know the stories behind the people who love the bones. Yeah. This is what I want to do. And I think every author has that in them. I, mm -hmm. I truly do. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're world building. I mean, just having yeah. that, I mean, that kind of shows your love for cultural. Sure. Um, so, would you rather look into a telescope or a microscope? Telescope. And the last question, French fries or potato chips? Strangely, kind of neither. <laughs> there I go betraying my Irish heritage. I love potatoes a million different ways, but fries aren't really my thing and neither Ooh. are chips. Okay. My downfall is... I have a sweet tooth that could wrap the planet five times over. Like you put sugar in front of me and I'm helpless. So <laughs> that's, that's my kryptonite. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's, that's it. Great. Good job. <laughs> All right. Oh my God. <laughs> so we can wrap up and talk about my next project. Yeah. We're so excited for that. Yes. Yes. So Shelby's, uh, what are your answers to the questions that Angie asked us today? Uh, please leave it in the comments down below. We would love to see what your answers are and do they match Ellie's uh, answers as well? Please let us know in the comments down below. So Ellie, what are you working on now and where can they find you? Um, I'm actually in contract negotiations on one of the manuscripts I mentioned earlier, the thriller about the girl with the night terrors and the nanites in her brain wow. sucked into military scenarios. So I'm currently, like I said, that's in negotiations right now, so I can't give the name yet, but I'm hopefully going to have that out sometime by end of next year. So yes. that's looking good. Um, I'm also through the first round of the, the slush pile and looking forward to a, a romance with Hallmark of all places. Um, oh. I have uh, they read one of them one one of the uh, I guess one of the writers producers someone affiliated with the Hallmark Channel Red Blue oh. and really enjoyed the love interest story that goes on in the background there because it was so quirky and so fun and there's a lot of banter. Uh, the book boyfriend is absolutely one of my favorite book boyfriends ever. And she asked me if I ever wrote any romance. I 
gave her my alternate pen name because I do write romance under another pen name. And she took a look at a couple of things there and said, you got anything for me? And I sent out what had to be the cheesiest manuscript I've ever written in my life. It's unlike anything I've ever written, but man, has it got Hallmark all over it. So things are looking good. She was very pleased with it and that's moving forward. So we will see where that lands me. Oh, Maybe I'm so excited. Wow. <laughs> see, oh, that sounds amazing. This is, this is, uh, you are a testament to if you just keep at it, if you just mm -hmm. keep going, no matter what life throws at you, if you keep at what you love doing, mm -hmm. stuff falls into place, regardless of the self-doubt, regardless <laughs> of the circumstances. And it, that's just beautiful, Ellie. We are so happy that um, from everything that's gone on, you were able to rise up and be Conquer. so much yeah <laughs> better than yes. uh, when you started and we are so happy mm -hmm. for that um thank you so much for joining us today uh we, we are so we are so happy that you were able to join us and you were able to share your shelf book story with us so ellie thank you so much for joining us and thank you we are looking forward to everything that you have coming out. So please, uh, you know what? It once those books, it, once once those come out, we would like to have you back on, and and you know maybe we can talk about that second shelf book uh, again once once we have you back because you know. Awesome. Was, Hopefully by then I've put some work into it. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, viewers, listeners, if you have your own shelf book story, please email it to us at shelfbookspodcast uh, at gmail.com. And we would love to read it here on the podcast. And if you can leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, we would love that as well because, you know, it helps other listeners, other viewers. Uh, find us and um, and please tune in again next week. We have another wonderful guest for you, another inspirational story that we can't wait to share with you. We are your hosts, Kate Evangelista. Angie Sandro. Thank you so much for joining us, Ellie. Remember, keep on writing. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Absolutely. And that was another episode of the Shelved Books Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Till the next one, stay safe, read more, write more, and continue to be at your creative best. The world is waiting, and so are we.